Hey, welcome back. I'm Robert Fleming, and I'm a partner in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. I have a, another partner. There are two of us, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, and she's sitting across from me right now. You're listening to our weekly podcast, Elder Law Issues, where we talk about things about people who are getting older, people who have disabilities, people who have special needs, uh, and, uh, and the legal problems they have. That was an awkward explanation of what we do. You think that was awkward, though, Elizabeth? You know what we're going to talk about this time? Let me guess. Dementia? Dying? Dying. Death? Dying and death. We're going to talk about a... I just read about this, and I'm, I'm quite charmed by it. The idea of Swedish death cleaning. Now, I don't know why it's Swedish. I'm part Swedish myself, and I don't remember the Swedes in my family having a particular attachment to getting rid of stuff. Quite the contrary. In fact, I come from a long line of at least uh, low-level hoarders. Um, but uh, but this new movement, the Swedish death cleaning movement, comes out of the same sort of logic as the Marie Kondo "clear out your stuff," except with the emphasis that you're going to do it because you're going to sa- save your kids the uh, the job of doing it. What do you think? Well, Robert, I I think that there's something to this. I mean. When we consider what's important to each of us, what we consider important might be really different than the person or people who help us and help the administration of our estate when we're incapacitated or once we die. And so what I might identify as the very most important three pieces of personal property to me may not be the three pieces of personal property that the person who handles my estate may may think of. And so oftentimes there's an assumption that people after after someone dies are going to sit around and they're going to be talking about all their fond memories and then going around a house and picking out what they would each like and you know people might arm wrestle a little bit over the favorite casserole dish or maybe swap old stories around grandmother's old jewelry or who's going to be getting the hall tree or the very special chair But that really doesn't happen often, Robert. What we find often happens is somebody feels a tremendous amount of burden about what to do with somebody else's stuff, how to distribute it, whether to dispose of it or donate it. And then what happens is you've got buckets and buckets of, you know, miscellaneous household goods. So not only thinking about, you know, what happened to that 10th paper towel box that you had or the old photo collection of your trip to Africa. But there are things that people will have like old textbooks or or papers that they would have written in school that folks keep and and then you know what Robert? Those stuff those things also often get thrown out. They do get thrown out and and they become a burden to your heirs or successors. Uh, and and the burden can sometimes be practical as well as as emotional. Uh, houses don't get sold for months in our experience because nobody wants to just allow the the bulk uh, salespeople to come in and take everything. They feel compelled to go through all the stuff looking for photographs of grandma and uh, and and maybe grandpa's diary, um, and so the house ends up not getting on the market for six months. That I'm astonished how often it takes six months for the family members to clean out the house. Of course, often they're coming from a long ways away. Often they have a lifetime of anxiety, guilt, and various kinds of burdens that they need to unload in the house. 
you could make that a lot easier for them if you started that process. If you if you really looked at, you know, the Marie Kondo idea is what gives you joy? Take out everything you own, throw it on the bed, and don't put it back in the closet unless you get, unless it gives you joy. The Swedish death cleaning variant of that is take everything out of the storage area, look at it, and wonder who's going to dispose of this for you. And if it's really just been sitting in a closet or in a storage room for 10 years, you've not pulled it out and looked at it, and you don't think your kids are going to pull it out and look at it from time to time, you could really do a great service for everybody by getting rid of it yourself. Well, Robert, I think this is a good reminder for people listening that it is it is difficult to think about all the personal property that you have, and it is difficult to think about how to make decisions with it. But if you don't, it's somebody else's problem, and chances are it's going to be incredibly difficult for that person to, to figure out what you would want to have done. I think that for me, throwing things away is difficult. One of the exercises, though, in, in thinking about what to throw away that's helpful to me is being able to acknowledge something that was meaningful, acknowledging why I kept something. So recently, Robert, I was going through an old closet and I saw this huge banner that I had had printed for my wedding telling people where to park. Well, I don't know why I hung on to this thing. <laughs> But now I look back on it and it was fun to take out of the closet and have a chuckle, but I no longer need this big banner telling people where to park at a restaurant that I'm not going to go to again. But it was still nice to take it out and, and now I really don't have any trouble throwing it out. It was a nice little walk down memory lane. You know, the maybe the most difficult one and the one that I wish all of our elderly clients, and by elderly I mean older than me, I'm 70 something now, so if you're older than that, uh, I wish that you would pull out all of your boxes and books of photographs and make the arrangements to copy them yourself. That is such a burden for the kids to try to figure out who's going to divvy them up, who's going to get them all copied, who's going to oversee. You can do that for them. And you know what? While you're doing that, you can identify who some of the people are in those photographs. I, I just have been doing this very slowly and uh, you know my mother died almost a little bit more than a year ago I still have boxes of photographs and I go through a small part of a box every little while there's one picture it's just gorgeous it's a wedding picture of a young couple laughing and it could be my parents except that it isn't my parents I have no earthly idea who it is <laughs> and I know all of my uncles and aunts it's not them so I wish somebody had told me who this delightful picture is of. We could make up a story, Robert. We could, we, could, we could make up a story, a tale of these two lovers. In fact, I just figured it out, Elizabeth. I was at your house the other day, and you have a random picture in a picture frame that isn't anybody you know. I'm giving you this couple so that you can enjoy them. Oh, gosh, Robert. Thank you so much. That's so thoughtful. Thank you. So Swedish death cleaning, what a good idea. Uh, a little bit morbid sounding, but, um, but if you can just make a start on getting rid of some of your stuff, um, it would be a great, tremendous gift to your children or your, whoever it is that's going to be responsible for your affairs. Our tip for the new year, try out some Swedish death cleaning. I like to keep saying that. It's, a, it's such a fun phrase. Sounds a little creepy. <laughs> I'm the creepy Robert Fleming, <laughs> chatting with the much more sophisticated Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm 
of Fleming and Curdy PLC. You're listening to Elder Law Issues and uh, go get working on your Swedish death cleaning. Join us again next week for another home tip. <laughs>